Well, I know we're being recorded, so thank you for telling us that. War Room Hockey Podcast. We are episode eighty-six this week. Uh, hey, what are we going to do with our with our hundredth? We got to do something big, hey? Special, yeah. Eighty eighty-six this week. Last week, uh, we discussed a number of topics, including um, playoff preview, but also uh, the Jack Eichel situation with with all that. If you remember that conversation, we we called it. Initially, we called it the quick hit episode, and we spent an hour discussing everything. So not so much quick hits at, at that point. But episode 86 this week. This week, playoffs are underway. We'll kind of review uh, what the action we've seen so far. Uh, rumors. Got a rumor roundup. A number of rumors circulating. And, yeah, so good number of stuff to discuss this week. We'll see if we can – stick to what we say before we record and that is it's a quick hit style thing we'll see if that follows through but we'll see if we can actually pull these things pull these topics off in one-timer fashion faster than actually i can shoot a one-timer which is to say about 14 or 15 minutes yeah. so uh, but warm the hockey podcast uh, facebook and instagram warm the hockey podcast at warm the hockey podcast respectively we'd love to hear from you engage with us Write questions, ask uh, ask questions, excuse me, uh, share stories, comments, anything you'd like heard or uh, clarified, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. So engage with us on, on social media platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. So make sure you uh, subscribe and tune in there. Make sure you rate and review. We're posting a, our Zoom discussions on YouTube every week now. We started with the Ryan Walter discussion, and now every week post our Zoom discussions on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, notification bell, thumbs up button there. Make sure you uh, make sure you enjoy it there. We, that's our version of video podcasts right now until we can get more of a solid studio uh, and camera work. So our Zoom discussions on YouTube. Subscri- subscribe and hit the notification bell so you know when we post. Episode 86 of War on the Hockey Podcast rumor and playoff roundup for this week we'll kick it to you because i know you have a few rumors you want to start with and then we can move into our playoff review thus far well because these are because these are the the kind of things that you never are going to hear a player say uh, and violate the the dressing room i'm not going I'm, i'm going to keep this as uh unnamed sources i was at a function a couple nights ago where obviously the topic of players and, and, and the news of the day came up and a couple of things came to light that most of us don't know. And I'm only telling you what I know from spending the evening with a player agent, uh, a referee and a member of the media. And I'll leave it at that, but it looks to me like, I don't know the guy, so don't, don't start lighting me up on Twitter if I was on Twitter. Um, there are some issues around Taylor Hall's character in the dressing room. Some questions about his toxicity, I guess. Um, and that, that goes with, that goes with uh, Jack Eichel as well. And it's just a, it's one of those, it's one of those deals. I don't, I don't want to say too much because I certainly don't want it to seem like I have an ax to grind with either of these guys, but there is a reason that players this good bounce around so much. And I'll point to, uh, I'll point to Matt 
Jane. Uh, you Peaky Subban. Yeah, pick your pick your example. Don't know them. Never met them. No, I, I have no skin in the game. I'm just telling you what I see. And this game gives you generally not a hundred percent. Game gives you what you deserve. It gives you what you deserve on and off the ice. In, in, in the, the exceptions to that would be the humble Broncos or the swift current Broncos in 86, I think it was. Uh, lots of guys that were perfectly wonderful guys, a catastrophic injury of some sort. Um, that's not what you, what you could say these people deserve. But in general, when you see a talented guy who can't find a home, there's something wrong. That's just all there is to it. Uh, so this is what we hear. Now, the Rangers appear to be in on Eichel. To a lesser degree, the LA Kings are in on Jack Eichel. My contention that he devalued himself by saying that he was hurt and he was unhappy, uh, we'll see if that, if that holds true or if anybody's still willing to give up a, a first, a second, and a good roster player for him and take on his $10 million. I don't know, but we'll see whether we'll see how desperate somebody is and how that plays out. The expansion draft could contain Ryan Johansson, Brent Burns, Mark Giordano. There's a lot of guys, a lot of really good players that can and are likely to be in that expansion draft. And as I've said many times on here, you, yes, I think it's, it's fantastic and or it's awful that a, a team can come in and contend for the Stanley Cup in their first year like Vegas did. But when you pay seven, eight hundred million dollars to get your team and then put your staff together and put your infrastructure together and put all the pieces in place, you're talking about stroking a check for a billion. You ought to be competitive. It's not the WHA anymore in 1979 or 78. So these guys should be competitive. Uh, Seattle, they should get good players. They should get a lot of picks. And you're going to see a really, really quality roster put together. And Ronnie Francis is a, a good hockey man. Johnny Goudreau, likely to be headed. Yeah, he says he wants to stay in Calgary. We'll see whether they can come to terms. If not, he... I've heard will, he's likely to head east or wants, wants to head east anyway. Yeah. The Flyers are in on him. I think to a lesser degree, the Devils are in on him. Possibly the Rangers if they can't make a deal with Jack Eichel. So you, you, you're going to see the Flames have a lot of options as to how to handle Johnny Goudreau going forward. And possibly even Monaghan. I mean, they, I don't know if they're going to blow that place up, but I think at least the Goudreau change is coming. What are you thinking about the coaching carousel here? What do you uh, – I mean, I know the – I know. Spuds Gallant is uh, working on Team Canada for the world. There's a, there's a number of coaches out there that are solid coaches. I I know here on War Room that you and a friend of the show, Greg Wilson, are uh, – Greg Wilson especially, I believe, if I remember correctly, he played with Babcock, I believe, or yep. Yep, yep. Um, played with Babcock, knows him, likes him. Yep. Um, I get that. Uh, we can debate all day long about where the game is and whether we agree with it or whether we like it, but the game is where the game is. I think Babcock's a, a good coach 
I'm not going to say he's not going to get hired somewhere, but what I'm going to say in terms of Babcock, if he does get hired somewhere, he's going to have to adapt and change his style a bit. The, the old school way of things that got him into some hot water in Toronto is going to have to stop because it's not just Toronto and the Toronto media that ate him up the the hockey world ate him up. And so he's, he's going to have to bite his tongue a little bit. He's going to have to kind of figure out a, a new way of doing things while also keeping that Babcock winning style. Right. And, and everything. If he can do that, he's a, he's a quality coach that absolutely should have a job, but he's as smart as anybody in the game, Evan. He knows X's and O's and he knows tactics as well as anybody in the game. But as I've told you, uh, since you guys were, were small from my coaching days, it is a hundred percent irrelevant what you know. Yep. What matters is what you can convey and what you can convince people to absorb. A good coach can know 70% of what Mike Babcock knows, but if, if he can get his room to absorb a hundred percent of that attitude, like Rod Brindamore, like Rick Tockett, uh, or, or Jared Bednar, it, now you've got something. I, I want to believe that Mike Babcock, being a very, very intelligent guy, knows now that you have to treat people with more respect than what he did before. And he will have learned that lesson. My recommendation is going to fly in the face of the rumors that we hear now about uh, Don Granato being in the, in the uh, front position in Buffalo. The Buffalo Sabres need Mike Babcock. And I wouldn't say that about many teams. There's not many teams that can say, gee, we really need Mike Babcock. That club needs credibility. They need experience. They don't need another front office and coaching staff full of rookies. They need Babcock. He's going to bring immediate street cred. He's going to, he's going to be able to do in Buffalo what he did in Toronto, which is take a talented young team and make them good. If they pick up some some good future picks and some prospects for a guy like Eichel or Skinner or somebody like that, free up some cap space, he's going to have a good five or six year run there. But that is a club that is tailor made for Mike Babcock. Yep. Uh, I also heard rumors of Babcock going to Seattle. Don't know if the if how accurate those are. Um, Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett's another guy. Um, he's a great coach. He's another guy that has earned a job somewhere, and um, oh yeah, I know the, I know he's talked with the Rangers, and I know he's talked with Seattle. Uh, John Tortorella is out there. I don't know if I haven't heard if him stepping away from Columbus is him stepping away from coaching or just Columbus. But for right now, anyway, he's out there. He. Um, Say what you want about him. He he gets the job done. Um, I guess he's just one of those coaches that you kind of have to know what you're getting, what you're getting with him when you go into it. Uh, Good point. I, look, Torts is a. I, my hunch is he's he's sick of the grind. He's been at it a long time. My my hunch on Torts is he's he's one of those guys that is just he's sick of the grind. He is sick of the media. 15 years ago, he is sick of trying to pound out a 500 record. I think he's tired. He's had a great career. Some of the things he's done are not, uh, are not my style, but nonetheless, he's got the job done and people keep hiring him. 
I expect him to step away, but he's a guy who has, who coaches to a certain style and you, he's like Ken Hitchcock. He's like uh, Daryl Sutter. He coaches to a certain style. It's old school. It's hard nose. It's shot blocking. It's ground and pound. He would have to have exactly the right fit. And I don't think there's a lot of them out there because this is a different, this is a, a much faster uh, up-tempo North and South NHL than what he's used to coaching. So I look for him to step away, but uh, in terms the, of how to, con- in terms of how to convey to a team that brings in Patrick Waugh, who's rumored to be looking for an NHL job again, based on two weeks ago and our discussion around him, his, he needs to hopefully have learned how to convey uh, because if you remember the story shared a couple weeks ago, his issue in Colorado was he couldn't decide between the old school bag skate style of of it and the new school. Let's be one of the boys. And yep. and he was, you know, if you ask and if you remember, it, Gabe Landeskog himself said said that. And um, he didn't say these words; these are my words. But he Patrick Waugh kind of had it a bipolar kind of coaching style where he couldn't decide what from one period or one game or one day to the next, whether he was, whether he's going to, he's going to skate you the the way you, you saw it in the movie miracle skating team USA after that poor performance against Norway or whatever, or if he's one of the boys shooting the shit in the, in the locker room with the, with the guys and Patty, Patty wall clearly had, knew what he was doing, clearly had success behind the bench at least that first year, showing he's at least capable of that. I think he could be more successful if he, if he finds an identity as a coach. Is he an old-school Tortorella, Babcock, Boudreaux, Hitchcock kind of guy, or is yeah. he a new-school Bednar you know, kind of guy where, you know, but pick, pick an identity. You're not going to get through to your players if – you're getting them used to one style and then you change it to another and then you change it to another. You gotta, you nope. gotta stay consistent. The guys have to know what to expect from you every day. And, and I, I think Patrick is, is better off. He's had another, another guy with a great career. Does he need the headache of being behind an NHL bench? No, he's not only has trouble getting along with players at times, he has a tough time getting along with management going back to being a player and certainly being a coach tough time taking uh taking orders and and that's just the strength of a personality and he's uh you know got a lot of uh, a lot of fine qualities i don't know that being an nhl coach is one of them but you look at guys that were had good careers as assistant coaches finally got a chance at the at the head coaching job and i'm thinking glenn gullitson mike yo tony granado uh Great guys, great careers, pushing pucks in practice. Jacques Cloutier, who never did actually go behind the bench uh, as a head coach, but wonderful job as assistants, successful everywhere they went. Behind the bench, head coaching responsibility did not work out. So guys have to be real honest with themselves rather than just saying, oh, boy, you know, head coaching job. Put my name on that. Absolutely. And this, this would bring us to – the playoff update, right? So a now little, you, a little bit, yeah, yeah. You've got you know when you look through the you look through the eight 
current rounds of the playoff. Well, as of right now, uh, there's um, what one or two. I know Six Toronto, or seven. Montreal. Uh, Toronto, Montreal, as of this recording, play plays game one tonight. As of this recording being posted, they will be into game three or game four. Yeah. Um, but as of this recording, they are playing game one tonight, game three or game four by the time people hear it. But um, And by the time people hear it, every playoff round will be underway. So I guess let's speak to that, that speak to when it's posted. We are in the playoffs all rounds. Unfortunately, though, based on, on when we're recording this, we can't have, you know, an update or a review of all rounds because we don't, some some matchups don't have anything to to review yet. So, but nonetheless, um, before we do that though, I I, obviously you're not on social media, so you can't see this, but um, (laughs) the Uber funny and talented Bill Burr came out and set and started a, a Twitter thread and Basically, a Twitter thread is he posts something that initiates other people to to share their version of it, and it right, and it's okay. It's all about hockey and the playoffs. And he's uh, so he came out and and I want to see your reaction and see how accurate accurate you think these are. Okay. His first his first one was his first one. This is Bill Burr. Not all of them will be Bill Burr, but. Some of them are from his followers and fans, but nonetheless, Bill Burr, his first one here, quote, he plays on the edge. Equals. What's that? And I'm, uh, am I guessing who he's talking about in all these? It's not a player. It's, it's a translation. So it's taken, taken a phrase and then taken the the subtle meaning of the phrase, right? In his, comedic way right so okay all right i know know the translation of that one he plays on the edge and you know the translation i'm going to say it let's see how it if how it matches up to your translation here okay he plays on the edge equals he's He's a complete complete piece of shit but he plays for my team (laughs) right that's exactly right (laughs) a veteran a veteran savvy move equals He's good at cheating. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's a borderline hit. Five game suspension equals someone on the other team just had their career ended. <laughs> okay. Tomorrow's another day <laughs> equals. We just got our. We're going to get swept. Donkey kick. We're going to yeah. get swept. We need to we need to play a physical game to slow them down. Equals we're going to injure all their top players until they suck as bad as we do. (laughs) We need to capitalize on our opportunities. Equals we average fifteen shots a game. (laughs) He's he's a beauty. The bounces just didn't go our way tonight. Equals, we couldn't do a fucking thing out there. <laughs> uh, He's subtle. Yeah. Let's see. He'd like to have that one back. Equals. That was 
my grandma could have stopped that. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's all of them. So he, he posted, he posted a good number of them that were, that were pretty funny, but say those first, because then we transition because, um, a number of those are pretty accurate to some of the things we've seen. Um, but before we get into those types of things, we'll start with just the review. Boston and Washington. Lots of fun. This is a good, this is, uh, you know. Every, we, every we, game I think of theirs has been overtime so far, right? Yeah. And these, and, and you know what, just good on Bruce Cassidy. Because that is um, that is not the best roster in the league, but nobody wants to play those guys, and that's uh, they're the same. Take out Chara, take out Brendan Carlo. You know you've had a lot of injuries up and down the roster, through, and and you know he's got old guys like Krejci and that. He but he they just keep winning and they keep scaring the crap out of people. So that's that's a that one and the Florida Tampa two of my favorite series right now. Or Tampa series, there's a lot of hate in that one. Oh, that's beautiful. That state, is. A state rivalry there. That's a there's a lot of a lot of hate in that one. Um, again, we, we get to the borderline. Yeah, like stuff. It, it, yeah, and it's this is not just this isn't just goonery. This is not thuggery going on in this series. There is skill and speed in on every single shift for 60 minutes. This is a really, really fun series. It is there. There's some questionable stuff in my opinion, just on the basis of, again, and it goes to the whole debauchery of player safety that we've seen over the past few weeks that, you know, McDonough can hit Duclair from behind and not face any consequence and not face anything. And Sam Bennett then gets suspended for the same style of play. Yeah. You know, Right, I, the, the the McDonough hit should have been penalized. It's heavier, maybe even a game. But Sam Bennett came from across the ice. He came practically from the bench to throw that hit because he was mad. Yeah. Uh, and so I get I get no problem with the one game on Sam Bennett because that was a he that was just a charge from the definition of charging. True, true. I'll give you that one. Um, we then you have Pittsburgh and New York, Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Another great series. Two teams just grinding each other to dust. It's that's fun. And then we have Edmonton, Winnipeg, which just big, had game, which just had game one last night, as of this recording. Big surprise last night uh, to a lot of people, not let alone the the Edmonton Oilers. But this is what happens, and we talked about it since episode one. This is what happens when you get a hot goaltender, Hellebuck. I wouldn't say he stole that game, but Hellebuck was Hellebuck last night. And that's, and now goaltending mattered in that game. Goaltending mattered in that game, but it also goes to what we talked about. And it is only one game, but it goes to what we talked about too of Edmonton's problem and what happens when you shut down McDavid. Yep. And it's easier done in the playoffs because every shift matters. Every second of every shift matters. Every stride matters. So guys are paying more attention now. And when you are, one line centric, and I think the the stat was McDavid and Drysidel in on like sixty percent of Edmonton's goals. You are so much easier to game plan than a balanced attack, and you know that. But that's that will be that will be the problem until they get uh, a lot of scoring threats out of the rest of their lineup. 
stay in the north real quick. Game one, as of this recording, is tonight. That's the time people hear this. There'll be several games in, but game one, Toronto-Montreal. You know, I'm I'm as torn on this one as I've ever been. I love Montreal. I've been on the Montreal bandwagon since the offseason when they picked up Anderson and Toffoli. They're getting healthy again. Price is back. Gallagher's back. I, I love the way this team is put together. And these are two teams that are built to win right now. They're built to win this year. So Toronto looks better on paper. They're a, a more wide-open offensive team. But I'm not going to be shocked if Montreal comes out of that series. While, while we're in the North, before we move on, I do have to say it's an interesting thing to look at. To, um, you watch, especially if you watch teams in the U.S. play, and then you turn on, like I did, the Winnipeg – Edmonton game you it's that type of disparity that makes you realize how important fans are because I I watch I watch Nashville Carolina I watch Colorado St. Louis you know I watch Tampa and Florida and I watch watch these matchups and even if it's only 5,000 people you get the crowd in there there's buzz there's all this stuff and then you turn on Edmonton and, and Winnipeg and you hear every noise and it's, it's just quiet and it's just just a weird, weird thing. And it, it, it's hard to watch. Yeah. It's one thing if every team is doing it, like it's playoff hockey, every, every team, every building, every city is doing it or you're doing it in a bubble. But when only a select few games, a select few areas are doing it, it makes it kind of hard to watch. I honestly had to turn Edmonton Winnipeg off because it was just, I'm sitting there and I'm not excited. No, the, I'm, the not, players, I'm not excited it, watching it because it just – and the, the players in the game is exciting more than the buzz of the crowd. But my point being the, the buzz of the crowd that you hear in the background adds to your excitement that you, when you watch it on the screen. Just It's like, wow, sure. what a save. Wow, what a play. And with no crowd, it's just kind of like you're playing a game of shinny almost like it, that, that type of feel anyway. So think about, think about watching the, the masters in fall when Dustin Johnson won and you, you could hear the, you know, you could hear the players talking to each other 200 yards away. There was nothing going on. This poor guy wins a masters and you, you could have heard a pin drop and that without the roars and without the fans, without the crowd in the game, in the arena, it's just not the same. And, you know, you, we get on to fans and off of fans because of social media and because of foolishness, but they're a necessary part of the game. They pay the bills and they make the game exciting. And, and when you see, when you see a 18,000 face painted David putties screaming, banging on the glass and, and carrying on, you can't help it. And then you throw a big hit, make a big save, uh, snipe one, all of a sudden, you know, it makes a difference. It, and I feel sorry for Canadians right now because they're still locked up doing absolutely nothing. It's worse now than it's ever been in Canada for God only knows what reason. And they're watching the United States. They're watching golf tournaments and basketball and and baseball games and full crowds, hockey games. They're be sitting there going, what are we doing here? What is wrong with these people? But anyway, I don't want to digress into that. Moving moving on, Carolina, Nashville. Finish in the Eastern. That's not a fair fight. Carolina, Nashville. 
it's not a fair fight. And that's, that's one of those that we talked about early on. Just not really, not really up for grabs. While we're talking about it though, Nashville, do that, do they face major changes come the off season? If they, if they fail out of the first round, like it's looking like they will. They were, their window is closing fast. Like I said early on, Johansson probably uh, 90% likely he's exposed in the, in the expansion draft. Uh, certainly, I would think everybody in that lineup that doesn't have a no move is available. I would, I would presume there's nobody on that, in, in that system that is untouchable right now. So, and David Poyles had a 20-year run of being competitive. He's got his work cut out for him now. Um, there's a lot of parody in the, today's game. So based on that, are, are there such things as windows anymore? Or, or is it kind of a, if you're built, to, if you're built to, to compete and contend, do it now because this might be your chance type of mentality? Or are there windows where, okay, you've got a Chicago Blackhawks style 10-year window to, to do it before things start to dip? That's a great question. That's absolutely a great question. If you manage your roster right and you manage your draft picks correctly and you manage your cap correctly, you can, you don't necessarily have to operate within a window. If you mortgage everything to win this year, you better win this year. If you are built and traded away number one picks, traded away prospects, brought in veterans, and you've got this year and maybe next to win, then yes, you're operating in a window. If you do it correctly, there should be no window. Jonathan Taylor, you know, just for example, Jonathan Taves out, Kirby Dak in. Pat Kane out, Kubalik in. You don't operate in a window. So it depends. And the, and the smart guys, the lucky guys whose draft picks and trades work out correctly, they're not, they don't ever operate in that win now or blow it up and redo it. So, so far we've covered East, Central, and North, West, Vegas, Minnesota. Surprising. Uh, I, I would still – Are you? how surprised are you now with Minnesota still? Can you say that? Again, you know, like last week, I'm – the only t- – like last week, the only thing I could really say that I'd be shocked if they made it out of the first round, let alone pushed or even won the cup would be Nashville. So to say I'm surprised at Minnesota after 56 games and now two games of, of playoff hockey, no, I'm not surprised. I'm a little – I guess I'm a little surprised, I guess, on the basis that I just, did, I, I just didn't see them being here. You know, I didn't. I I didn't see them being here, let alone giving Vegas as much of a problem as they they are. Vegas um, is having a terrible time scoring goals, for one thing. Cam Talbot has been great, but Vegas has a. If there's an Achilles heel in Vegas, it's that they don't score a lot of goals. Uh, Fleury's been really good. Talbot's been really good. That series, as of this recording, is one to one. Game three tonight, uh, and. Look, Minnesota's the real deal, and they're operating without Barisi. So did I see it? I, I didn't see them even making the playoffs, much less threatening Vegas. Absolutely not. And, you know, this is, this is noteworthy because I am so seldom ever wrong 
that now, yeah, you got to circle your calendar here because I, I did not see this coming. I didn't see them being for real. Um, hats off to Dean Evison. Colorado, St. Louis, uh, welcome, welcome to playoff Nazem Kadri after his hit last night. <laughs> what did what did Burr say? Uh, he plays on the edge, or that was a borderline hit, or something like that. Yeah, which, means he's a of piece, which means he's a piece of shit, but he plays for your team. <laughs> he's here's here's the deal. Here's the deal with that. I that was a bad hit. He deserves to be suspended. Yep. Um, it's likely going to be several games, not just one. He deserves it. My only thing with it, and it's not to say he doesn't deserve it or Falk deserved to get hit high or anything like that. My only thing with it, and I, you're damn right I come back to it, is you cannot give Kadri a hefty suspension like is likely to happen based on the severity of the hit the recklessness of the hit and his reputation. But Tom Wilson doesn't get any suspension for how he handled things in, with the Rangers. Agreed. I, so I, and say- I, I hate to live in the, I hate to live in this area, in this area where, where you try and compare and connect everything that happens in different teams and different games. I'm just, but in general, I'm just saying you cannot see what Wilson did to Panarin and Bushnevich against the Rangers and give him a $5,000 fine. But Nazem Kadri, because he's a repeat offender, gets six, seven games or however much. You, you just cannot do that. So well, repeat offenders. So they are likely to get Kadri correct. They're, he's probably going to serve, I don't know, what, what do you think he's going to get out of this, three games or five so? Five games, four or five he, games probably. It'd be done for this series most likely. Uh, and if they go ahead and they're, they're pushing St. Louis around pretty severely. So if they go ahead and win this series in four or five, he may be gone for a game or so of the next round, but they're likely to get Kadri right. They missed on Tom Wilson, but watch the series. And, and this is, a, this is a different thing. And I, you, you would have to get Tom Wilson in great confidence to the side to tell you whether or not this is true but on the ice, there is no question he's been declawed. He's been defanged. He's not finishing checks the way he did. He is not going into corners hard. He is not throwing open ice hits. He, I've seen him probably eight or ten times in the first two games with Boston skate away from checks, and I've never seen Tom Wilson do that, ever. He's, he knows he got, away, he got away with stealing, and – I think that he presumes being a repeat offender, having a lot of problems in his wake, that the next time he tags somebody because they, the league took so much pressure for that, the next time he tags somebody good, he could be done for the playoffs. So watch, watch Boston, Washington, and, and specifically watch Tom Wilson. I think he's playing a little scared and not scared of anybody on the ice. He's, he might only be scared of Ryan Reeves, but, and not scared, just let's say overly respectful, but he is, he is concerned about being himself. I see it. It just jumps off the screen at you. If there's any question about uh, why 
Gabe Landeskog is your captain. Look at his Gordie Howe hat trick in game one. That was a nice, nice fight with Shen. I, I'll tell you what. If you, if you caught that. And yes, I did. And you see a lot of Avalanche games. And Shen had that one coming. You watch the Avalanche as much as anybody, as much as the Avalanche video staff watches them. Gabe Landeskog only fights angry. He doesn't fight to send a message. He doesn't fight to stir up his team. He doesn't fight just because somebody needs to be slapped. He fights pissed off. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Because if you watch that fight, he was pissed. He was watch the way he went at Shin. He was, he was livid. He was not happy. Yeah. And yeah. um, it, there... Again, we could go down the rabbit hole because I'm an Avalanche fan of how I feel about the first two games. Not thrilled. Um, win wins wins are wins, but like you look at last night's game, six three win for Colorado. If you're looking at nothing but the final score, you're going to think that was a bigger bigger blowout and a bigger dominant performance than it really was. The Avs got outshot. St. Louis wanted it more. You, it, and if you're not careful, especially after the Kadri hit and all, and O'Reilly's pre-series comments and all these things, if you're not careful, the way you played in Game Two, especially, you're you're returning to Colorado for Game Five with a two-two series. Where? So, and a couple so, things. First of all, learn to take yes for an answer. You're up 2-0. Uh, goaltending's been good. Bennington's been – both sides have been good. Full marks to St. Louis for fighting and clawing in game two because they were, they were pushed around in game one. Uh, Chief Berube's team is not going to go away quietly. That's a feisty, experienced, big, nasty, heavy team that's been to the top. So they're not going to go away easily. They might get swept, but it's not going to be easy. They might go seven. Either way, it's not going to be easy. So, yes, you better, you better make sure they have your full attention. But take two wins and, and smile all the way to St. Louis. 100%. Two wins is better than, in, than being 0-2 or, or going to St. Louis 1-1. One one. Right. I was saying to myself before the game started last night, I was thinking to myself that – no matter the outcome, one of the two teams is in deep, dangerous waters afterwards. Yeah. You know, you, well, go, you go, if you're Colorado and you walked into St. Louis 1-1, into St. Louis, they're feeling themselves, they got the momentum, O'Reilly's comments, Avs are President's Trophy winners, they get outplayed in game one, but oh my gosh, look at what they did in game two, and now they're going home. Stanley Cup champions two years ago, the majority of that team that won the cup is what you see today. All this stuff, you you're you're looking at a dangerous situation where Colorado could come back to Denver down three one. That those types of dangerous waters. And conversely, you're St. Louis and you go home down O two. You better, you better, you're in deep, dangerous waters of being swept in your own building. Yep. Type oh, of, so, welcome it, to the playoffs. 
Welcome to the playoffs, absolutely. But last night's game was very important for a lot of reasons based on how this series is going to feel and play out the rest of the way. But so all I know is Colorado's got to adapt. Game two is not their best performance. We'll just say that. No, I, but so this difference between glass half empty and glass half full. The coaches, after the game, they go, okay, well, we won 6-3, but we got outshot. So, you know, we got a lot to work on. Or you're, you're three for four on the power play, but you, only, you didn't score five on five. Well, we got to do better at even strength. Or you, you scored three at even strength, and your power play was 0 for 5. Well, we got to get better on the power play. There's always something, and it's a team game. So every once in a while, your goaltender's going to steal one for you. He's part of your team. He's a big part of your team. So once in a while, somebody's going to get hot. You may get secondary scoring out of somebody who has never lit the, lit the lamp before. And so what? He's part of your team. That's why, that's why it's the best game in the world. That's why this is the most exciting time in the best game in the world. Yeah. So it, as, of, as of right now, like uh, we talked about last week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the urge to speculate too much. You're certainly seeing the emergence of some real good teams and some teams that are in trouble getting bounced in the first round. So we'll stick, uh, I will at least stick with facts for the time being. Because even the ones that are 2 nothing, like Colorado, like Tampa, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, the only one that I would say is probably not going to have a lot of drama left in it is Carolina Nashville from the looks of it. Yep. I agree. But I agree. Everybody, else, everybody else is – this is reality TV at its very best. So find a way, everybody. Anything else? Yeah. Anything else we want to add before we close out this week? We've done rumors. We've we've covered some of that stuff. We've uh, reviewed briefly some playoff hockey up to this point. Anything to add before we close um, and head into next week? Well, what I'm, I'm trying to think of of something that has really jumped out at me uh, in watching the playoffs. That, you know, just the overall. In every series, fans or no fans, the pace of play, the intensity, the amount of hits has been, there have been uh, on average about two and a quarter times the number of hits in every game as what the regular season average, which is not out of the ordinary. But you can tell by watching here that of these 16 teams, every single one of them believes that they are capable of winning every night and that's not always the case but you know pittsburgh and the islanders uh vegas minnesota boston washington you just throw a dart everybody thinks they can win and they probably can so like you said earlier don't go to sleep you're up to nothing you're going to st louis you better you know you better uh better have your full attention ready i think it's just great fun evan it's absolutely i love playoff hockey so uh, thanks everybody for for supporting and tuning in. Thanks for joining on Zoom again this week. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll and be back in studio in about two weeks or so, I think. But until then, we'll uh, we'll stay at this and and we'll get done the best we can. But boy, oh boy, get in front of, pull the shades, take the phone off the hook, uh, and and don't miss these games. It doesn't matter if it's your team or not. Watch the uh, watch these series. This is the most fun. Yep. Wow. Worm the Hockey Podcast. Worm the Hockey Podcast, Facebook and Instagram 
at Worm the Hockey Podcast and Worm the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Uh, write, comment, ask questions, share stories, engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Subscribe, rate, and review. Share with friends and anybody you know. Uh, YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell, and hit the thumbs up button. And we will see you next week. I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast, and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.